Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You don't always have to like him. But you have to respect him. The Roy Green Show continues. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. We're back with the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Bonjour tout le monde. I wanted to say that for a while. I don't know why, but I sort of wanted to. Maybe we'll do the show en français, huh? Uh, U.S. President Donald Trump declared an opioid public health emergency a couple of days ago. And exactly what does that mean in real action? And how will it affect up to, I think the number is 110 million Americans who are suffering from chronic pain. Before I introduce you to my guests, I want to quote uh, Dr. Carl Hart, chairman of the Department of Psychology at Columbia University. And he had uh, this to say. He wrote a piece uh, for Scientific American, which was titled, People are dying because of ignorance, not because of opioids. And uh, among other things, he wrote, the vast majority of opioid users do not become addicts. Users' chances of becoming addicted increase if they are white, male, young, and unemployed, and if they have co-occurring psychiatric disorders. That is why it's critical to conduct a thorough assessment of patients entering treatment, paying particular attention to these factors rather than simply focusing on the unrealistic goal of eliminating opioids. And that, end quote. And that has been the, uh, the, what it seems to be the end goal of everyone we've talked to in the medical community. One way or another, it's let's eliminate opioids. There are different ways of stating it. And if you look at the uh, the guidelines for opioid medication in this country, there's always the sort of the byline that suggests, well, we want to talk the patient through. And I've talked to a Professor Bousset, who's the editor. He's been on this program on a number of occasions. I've also talked to him off the air. And he always says the same thing. We know we want doctors to work with the patients and work them down and, uh, from their current levels of opioid uh, uh, reliance as, as it works best for the patient. But then we talk to doctors who are frankly terrified to leave patients on even a reasonable amount of opioid medication to counter their chronic pain, which is so challenging that many of them consider suicide and Increasingly, they commit suicide, according to what doctors have said. So, this is a hugely, hugely important uh, issue, and I've received so many emails from the United States over the last week, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Richard Lawhorn, 
who joins us now. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Richard. He's a Ph.D. He's the corresponding secretary of the Alliance for the Treatment of Intractable Pain. He's one of my guests. We've talked to Richard before, Richard Red Lorn. Richard, thank you for taking the time, and thank you for sending me that uh, quote from Dr. Hart. Well, thank you. I appreciate the chance to, uh, t- to talk with you. Yeah, let's also say hello to uh, Jessica, who, who joins us. She's a cardiology nurse practitioner in Texas. She's also a pain patient, and uh, she's no longer permitted to pra- prescribe certain pain medications. Um, and she's uh, in an outpatient setting, but she's a so she's a pain patient, and she's a a, a nurse pra- um, nurse practitioner. Jessica, thank you very much for uh, taking the time, and thanks for getting in touch with me. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, let's also we'll talk to the two of you about this issue as it now pertains to President Trump, where that's going, how things stand for Americans, because a lot of what happens in this country seems to be fed this way from your Centers for Disease Control. Let me start with you, Richard. Uh, what's your view of Donald Trump moving from the terminology opioid crisis to a public health emergency, and what does that mean to how the United States will approach the street corner drug dealer sale of opioids, and how does it affect the chronic pain patient who has an opioid prescription from a physician? Well, uh, for one thing, there's, a good, there's probably a, a rather good way to characterize the so-called state of emergency. First of all, remember that it's a 90-day renewable um, arrangement in government. And second of all, remember that it does not allocate one thin dime to actually doing anything. Shakespeare put it nicely when he used the phrase, much ado about nothing. The impact, however, on chronic pain patients could be horrendous because... At least in the draft guide, in the draft uh, report of the President's Commission on Combating uh, Addiction and the Opioid Crisis, what we see is a continuing bias, a continuing and, in my view, fraudulent misrepresentation of the causes of addiction and the sources of addiction. As Carl Hart remarks. Uh, this administration, and uh, clearly many others as well, for they go back a long way, has fundamentally misunderstood and misattributed a real public health crisis. We do have a real public health crisis. It's basically a, a crisis of addiction, addiction to drugs that are sold in the street almost entirely, and addiction to drugs that now contain a high proportion of of synthetic imported fentanyl made in Mexican and Chinese labs and brought here and pushed aggressively to kids as young as middle school. I uh, am personally very concerned that our D.C. bureaucracy has frankly got its head stuck in a very, very dark place because there is a witch hunt underway on doctors that's driving doctors out of pain management practice and it's driving pain patients into agony and disability and decline by the tens of thousands all across the u.s now we see that reported in social media we're increasingly seeing it reported in very well done articles by uh, people like carl hart There are several others that are are, uh, coming out that I can quote for you if you want them. 
But there's one above all that really, really makes the case here because it's out of, of uh, medical literature. It's the Journal of Pain Research, and it's just a matter of a few days ago. The authors are Michael Shatman and Stephen Ziegler. And the title is Pain Management, Prescription Opioid Mortality, and the CDC is the Devil in the Data. And what Shatman and Ziegler do in a very well-respected formal uh, publication, authoritative publication in the pain management field, is that they demonstrate that the CDC has consistently cooked the books in misrepresenting the role of various drugs and the role of prescription drugs, particularly in opioid mortality. So what we've got is uh, basically a fire alarm going off all across the uh, medical community and the community of pain, pay, pain patients that, that is telling us the CDC not only made a mistake because the CDC uh, opioid guidelines are deeply in error in many areas, they made a deliberate mistake because they misattributed this entire so-called epidemic. All right. So then the question, the question has to – I have to take a break. But the question then becomes why? Now, when we come back, I want to talk to Jessica – about how the president's action has uh, will have affected her both as a medical professional and as a chronic pain patient. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Remember, we'll be talking to two Canadian chronic pain patients, one from Saskatchewan, one from Ontario, and that will be in about 15 minutes' time. This is a hugely, hugely important issue. There are so many people, and you've heard people in desperation on this program, literally in desperation, talking about how their doctors are cutting them off. The only thing, the only medication that provides any quality of life. You've also heard a, um, a chronic pain patient talk about and to- been on this program with her, with her husband, and that was Don Ray Downton on this program with her husband Bob, talking about how she might, well, if her if her medications are stopped, how she will take her own life. Stick around. This is extremely important. Huge numbers, millions of people, are affected. Stay with us. Don't let his bark fool you. Roy has a softer side, too. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. Follow me there and email. Send them to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. You'll also find us on Facebook, and you can listen back to any segment that we air both on Facebook and on my show page at the websites of the chorus radio stations which carry this program. We're speaking about chronic pain, and we're speaking about opioids with uh, President Trump entering the picture now. Of greatest interest to people is what are the individual stories that are affecting individual human beings who are being treated quite often as something less than human beings when they have chronic pain and they need help? Let's talk to Jessica from uh, from Texas, MSN, APRN, acute care nursing practitioner. She practices in a hospital and in a clinic. So, Jessica, what's your story? What's your pain story? And how has what's going on as far as the medical side of things is concerned affected you and what you do? Yes, thank you so much for this invitation. I really appreciate being able to have a voice um, in this, in this uh, national crisis um, that as President Trump just uh, told us about, you know, this last couple of days here. Um, 
unfortunately, I believe that the media has sensationalized this to the point where patients and practitioners are suffering. Uh, the recent CDC guidelines uh, are are very make it much more difficult for practitioners, doctors, uh, chiropractors, those type of professionals to be able to adequately control their the pain in their patients so that they can live meaningful uh, and have good quality of life. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is because our hands are now tied, we are not able to prescribe medications that we had prescribed for years um, because of these guidelines. Our patients are coming to us with depression, with suicidal ideation. We've seen a dramatic increase in suicides in our chronic pain patients because they can no longer have adequate quality of life, and therefore they feel their only option is to take their own life. And that, you, you know what? You know what really? You know what? What, what really concerns me is that it's become so easy for people to say. I'm not talking about you, but it's become easy for people to say. Folks are suicidal. I say it because we, we know that's the case. We can never accept that. They're suicidal for a reason, and the reason they're suicidal is because they're not permitted to any longer have the medication that provides them with some quality of life. Now, Jessica, you also are a pain patient. So that's talk to us that, about that. Yeah. What, are you, what are you living with and, and what's being done for you? Yeah, so unfortunately I suffered a, a traumatic orthopedic injury in a bicycle accident uh, several months ago. And I was taken to a trauma level one hospital where they had to do emergency surgery to try to save my leg. Thankfully, they were able to save the leg, but unfortunately, I had severe damage uh, to my leg, severe nerve damage. And so I'm in grueling physical therapy just to be able to walk again. I was not able to walk for three and a half months, and now I'm in uh, grueling therapy three days a week trying to regain the strength to be able to walk again and to continue to practice. Um, in in my field and not become uh, permanently disabled. And um, unfortunately, this trauma level one hospital, upon discharge home, they sent me home with a very, very low controlled substance three uh, narcotic pain medication, uh, Tylenol with codeine, um, which was not effective for pain control by any means. Uh, for for my post-operative mm-hmm. and and you know post-injury pain, and then to be able to get uh, adequate pain control for my grueling physical therapy, I've had to go and see a pain specialist and see him on a monthly basis and be subjected to drug testing every month to be able just to get the the hydrocodone you know low dose hydrocodone to be able to control my pain during my physical therapy okay. sessions. And that's been, and so as a medical professional, to be submitted to drug testing on a monthly basis is, in my mind, I feel like I'm being treated as a yeah, criminal you are. instead you of are. a medical professional. You are. You're, you're, they're violating any sense of decency, any sense of trust. They're violating, I think, they're violating the human rights. Want to talk about human rights? They're certainly violating those. Richard, where, where are things going for the pain patient? Let's talk in, in really specific terms here. Are there enough important, I, I'll use the word advisedly, are there enough important people or connected people who are standing up for chronic pain patients like Jessica and this handful of, of, uh, of emails I have here to really significantly make a difference for these patients or not? In my view, not yet. I believe the tide is changing, 
and I'm one of those who are actively advocating uh, in in various forums to help make that change. Uh, Who's listening to you? Who's listening to you that should be listening to you? Well, uh, for one thing, a uh, U.S. Congresswoman has nominated me to a pending uh, Health and Human Services Department interagency task force on best practice for yeah. uh uh, pain management. Now, this isn't an investigation, Richard Lawhorn. What I'm getting at is people who have the ability to make change because they're elected into positions where they have that power, they're the people who need to be listening to you, and that congresswoman obviously is, because you can bring the message, as Jessica can, of the individual patient or the groups of patients who are struggling and who have very little in the way of hope because of the kinds of restrictions they're living with, the only restriction there isn't for them is the level of pain that they live with. Yeah, and we're doing something about that specifically. We're, we're now training patients and family members who have better mobility than patients to actually schedule interviews with our, their congresspeople and their senators Good. in office rather than doing things at a distance where Good. they become faceless. Exactly. You have to be there in the office. Jessica, final word from you. We have about 30 seconds. Go ahead, please. Well, I just wanted to just mention that the fact that, that these, this opiate crisis is, is primarily in illegal and street drugs the, the vast number of the opiate overdoses are not from per- correctly prescribed opiate medications from physicians and providers that are treating their patients on a one-on-one basis. Thank you both so much. Jessica, who is in Texas, Richard Lawhorn, Ph.D. What's the website, Richard? The website is facefacts, with a dash, dot org slash Lawhorn, and we'll be very happy to welcome you in and help you learn how to advocate. Okay. Richard Lawhern, Ph.D., Jessica from Texas, thank you both very much. I want want to read you something now. You can disconnect the lines, please. I I want to read you something now, and this came from uh, Pat. It's an email from Pat. Hi, Roy. Thank you for making people aware that it's not chronic pain patients having the overdosing or addictive issues. I've never met a pain patient who wouldn't give up their pain meds if in a second if their pain went away. Personally, I think Doctors don't understand the fear. They don't understand that the abject fear of high pain level is real. They don't understand that this fear will drive a patient to be desperate to have their pain meds. They call this drug-seeking behavior. If a diabetic is betting for a doctor for insulin because their sugar level is too high, is that not drug-seeking behavior as well? The difference is all in the perception. Diabetes is quantifiable. Pain is not. As such, pain can be faked but it can also be very real and intolerable at levels that people live with, but it's not able to be proven. Now, when we come back, you're going to meet Dan. He's from Ontario. And you'll meet Barb. She's from Saskatchewan. They are both chronic pain patients. They've been in touch with me for a period of time, and I've told them I'd like to get them both on the air, and here's the opportunity to do that. You will hear about how difficult it is for these two Canadians to receive just the level of pain relief which will make life agreeable. Don't go away.